Dr. Bate, thank you for appearing here. Um, I'm going to ask you to affirm uh, that you intend to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, Dr. Bate. Good afternoon. Um, I'm one of the uh, Atlantic Council on the on the NCI team. So, um, can you just very briefly walk us through your uh, credentials? Okay, I'm a retired dentist, uh, graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry from the University of Western Ontario in 1986 and in dentistry, Doctor of uh, Dental Surgery in 1991. I practiced privately in Concord, Ontario from 1991 to 2013. I've since retired due to injuries in my shoulders and have moved to Newfoundland uh, in 2017. And I understand that your, um, your university education was heavily uh, weighted in the math direction, is that right? Yes, in fact, I, I didn't pursue a, uh, a degree in mathematics, but I took all of my elective courses while pursuing a BSc in chemistry in math and physics. And you have a special interest in statistics and data analysis. I do, yes. I've got a keen interest in it. Do you apply that uh, that interest on a number of areas? Yes. Um, for many years, I, I was doing stock analyses personally, and I've always been interested in sports analysis. But the last few years, since um, uh, the breakthrough cases, when they occurred, piqued my curiosity because being in the medical field, I always believed that vaccines would stop transmission to a great degree, if not, you know, some degree. But uh, when I started hearing about breakthrough cases, I did send a, an email to our health officer, uh, Dr. John Hagee, uh, outlining my concerns because I knew people were saying, why am I getting this disease? I got vaccinated and I received a response uh, basically saying that the government was tracking breakthrough cases, but they weren't going to be uh, producing any evidence or any um, numbers for the population, but surveillance was, national surveillance was being done, which kind of shocked me. You had an opportunity to apply your math skills and data analysis skills to two discrete areas that we want to talk about today. Sure. The first being the Pfizer document, the, the document released by Pfizer, or I, I suppose more accurately released by the Department of uh, the FDA after that order by the judge in January of 2022. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And ultimately that document uh, purports to come from Pfizer. Is that right? Yes. What is that document? I think we have a copy of it to put up. What yeah, is it's that the adverse document? events that uh, Dr. McCullough referred to, uh, referenced earlier. And um, I pulled this up uh, last year, looked at it and was rather shocked to say the least. Um, a lot of it was redacted at the time. It got re-released a month later. So when, when I went to look at it again, I couldn't find it because it was originally released on March 1st, then they moved it to April 1st, so it got harder to find. But when I did, this is what I discovered, and I must say um, there were about 42,000 participants in their clinical trials. They were monitored from December 14th to the end of February of, I guess, 2019 to 2020, and 42,086 had side effects, numbering nearly 160,000 side effects, so the average person had almost four they reported. Interestingly, interestingly enough, out of the 42,000 individuals, as Dr. McCullough referenced, 1,223 resulted in fatal results. Um, 9,400, the outcomes were unknown, which is astonishing. Well, what does that mean, unknown? Or what, what would you think they that means? Well, <laughs> they didn't report. And then my personal understanding is people that die don't report. But I can't say they all died, but there is 
how they got lost in the system, I don't know. Further to that point, if I can just move to the next slide, this is um, in the same report. They, they spoke of the pregnancies that were involved, that the mothers that they, they followed, there were 270 pregnancies. In the end, they only were able to, uh, 238 they did not follow, they got lost. 32 they followed, only one had a normal outcome of a live birth. I'll move on. Um, they further in this um, report, they categorized by um, physiological, um, or I guess, uh, what was the cause, basically. So they broke them down into cardiovascular, neurological, the different possibilities, categories of uh, this. And uh, just to show you one here for cardiovascular, they state in the relevant event outcomes, fatal was 136. And the conclusion, which is too small for me to read here, but it does, I believe it says, uh, the cumulative data shows, indicates no uh, safety concerns and surveillance will continue. And Open the bottom of that slide Yeah, there. It's, it's up there. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very small, I'm afraid. Yes, but, conclusion, uh, this cumulative case review does not raise new safety concerns. Surveillance will continue. Correct. And just to illustrate that that was not an isolated incident, the very next one is people that got COVID, um, either through transmission or possibly from the vaccines. The same thing happened here, 136 fatal. Conclusion, this cumulative case review does not raise new safety issues. Surveillance will continue. So that's Pfizer's own data that they tried to hide for 75 years. I think I know why. When you, when you say tried to hide for 75 years, can you just tell us what you mean by that? Well, they, would, they were asked to, um, to report and, and give their data and they, um, they refused to. So uh, there was a doctor in the States who, uh, um, I can't think of his name offhand, but he had to spend a lot of time and money to go to the Supreme Court in various jurisdictions to get that actually get a judge to finally say, yes, you need to release that data. Okay, what's the next page that we're so looking at here? We're looking now at Canada. So this would be um, Okay, our, so sorry, we're moving on from the Pfizer yeah, trial. Yeah, so I'm just looking at uh, safety issues here in Canada. So that's just from the manufacturer. In Canada, it was reported January 8th of 2021. So it was the second week of reporting. This is what they reported, that there had been 10 serious adverse events reported and 338,423 doses administered for an overall incidence of 0.003% who were serious. And now I move to the next one. So as time went on, they made provision to update the data as time went on to, as more events occurred, they could reestablish uh, re what the numbers were from previous reports. And down the road, this would be um, December 9th, 2022, that very week that they'd reported previously, suddenly had 31 serious outcomes and 256,000 doses were no longer in arms. They only had 82,512 doses administered. So sorry, what, your point, what is the contrast that you're pointing out here? Well, basically, they, after a year and 44 weeks, they decided to then update the data. And they've been doing it progressively throughout the time. But at that point in time, the, numbers, the number of adverse events, serious adverse events tripled, and the number of doses that they claimed given were given went down by a factor of four. So they tripled the serious adverse events, one quarter the number of doses given, 12-fold decrease or increase in the serious adverse events were actually observed in, early on in the uh, vaccination program. Where did you obtain this data? This is all from the healthinfobase.canada.ca. If you look for safety, uh, vaccination safety data, it's all there. Is this still there? 
I'm not sure. I, I actually got this from a third party who uh, sent this to me. I had some of this data, and um, she sent this to me in an email just a few days ago. So I'm a little not 100% on uh, whether it's still accessible. I'm not okay. sure. I think it is, but um, again, it gets changed all the time. So um, really noteworthy. If I can just move on to the next here, is this is a slide showing the the numbers in pink and the yellow outline are what the data was for these first six reports of 2021 and the ones that are just in the in the purple are what they had reported so you can see that there's the 338,000 uh, original doses and 10 adverse events became 31 and 82,000 and as time goes on the doses became more um, true or accurate but you can see even in, in May of 2021 where they had originally reported 1,262 serious adverse events it was actually 2,234 are now being attributed to that time frame. What, what, what if anything, do you make of that? Um, well, I, I, if I can just continue, okay, I, I, sure. there's an explanation uh, forthwith. So um, basically back early on, so this is April 15th, 2022, um, as the numbers started climbing, uh, they had 128 Guillain-Barre syndrome attributed uh, side effects and myocarditis, pericarditis were 2044. And this, again, is from a third party. I didn't write the red things in here, so you can try to ignore those. But um, then in May of 2022, they reclassified these based on the Brighton Collaboration Index. And they, they grade these things in different uh, from levels one to four. And so suddenly they have two classifications for each of these. And then they decided later on in May to go back to one. And they dismissed 100 and 20 Guillain-Barre syndromes and a thousand myocarditis pericarditis were then no longer attributed on this. So I believe as they went back and increased the numbers from the previous ones that were not reported, they then removed these so that the numbers had a the total number just continually went up just a little bit week to week. A bit of sleight of hand, I'd say. So this, I'm gonna move on to effectiveness now. I just wanna go through a series of these just to show, these are screenshots that I took from the same healthinfobase.canada.ca. Uh, you may be familiar with these. They used to categorize these as such, unvaccinated, cases not yet protected, partially vaccinated, fully vaccinated, and fully vaccinated with an initial, additional dose. So I've got this from May 8th, 2022. I then got June 5th, 2022. July 3rd, July 31st, August 28th, and September 25th. Now. In each of these um, publications, Sorry, are we going to go back and look at those, and you're going to walk us through? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got all the data on a hand thing I did, right? So those okay. numbers are all they're all here, but I'm going to summarize them shortly. Okay. So, for instance, May 9th to June 5th, unvaccinated cases were four times more likely to be hospitalized and five times more likely to die from their illness, which I would only assume would be per case, like based on a percentage of cases compared to fully vaccinated cases. During the same four-week period, unvaccinated cases were four times more likely to be hospitalized, six times more likely to die from their illness compared to cases fully vaccinated with one or more additional doses. So I'm just gonna go quickly through these. They're the same for, there's five of these. And again, these are only here because I screenshotted them. That data is no longer there. There's a few of them that are there, but if you go back, they only go back to April of 2022 and half of the dates, if not more, have no data whatsoever. In fact, if you go back to the very first one, it's actually, I think it's uh, April 10th or something. If you click on that one, it has the September 25th of this, of the, in the future data on it. It's, it's absolutely nonsensical. 
But I would really like to highlight one here. It's August 1st to August 28th. These are some pretty big numbers. They claim that unvaccinated cases were five times more likely to be hospitalized and seven times more likely to die from their illness compared to cases with a completed primary vaccine series. During the same four-week period, unvaccinated cases were seven times more likely to be hospitalized and eight times more likely to die from their illness compared to cases with a completed primary vaccine series and one or more additional doses. So I did, this is my work. I, um, I'm old school. My dad taught me early in my life that if I wanted to remember things, you write it down. You don't just look at a screen or type it in. It doesn't stay. So this I've been doing for a couple of years now. I've got five books of this graph paper that I've been doing analysis of various things COVID related on. This is a summary of those numbers for everything that they, that I showed you there. And hospitalization rates are given and death rates for the periods. I really want to isolate on this August data. And it, the last three um, reports are very, I'd say, damning to the vaccinated. Um, I'm going to look at death rates individually here. For July 3rd to 31st, the death rate in the unvaccinated was 1.09%. In the fully vaccinated, plus one dose, it was 094 with two doses, it was 1.95. And for those with any vaccinations whatsoever, or fully vaccinated above, they stopped doing the partially ones, 1.23%. So now in August, these numbers become a little more scary. The unvaccinated is 1.36% of cases resulted in death. The fully vaccinated with boosters, 1.90. They claimed that it was eight, you're eight times more likely to die if you're unvaccinated from your case than if you'd had a booster dose or more. And in fact, those people were dying at about a 40% higher rate, not lower by eight factors, higher by 40%. And the same holds true in the September data as well. I just want to point out quickly, I do believe I have it here. It's not the one I want to, right here is, this is the Worldometer's uh, yesterday's data. I believe the number of deaths attributed in Canada so far is 51,000 some odd out of slightly over 4 million cases reported for an overall mortality rate of 1.12%. So 1.12%, if we look at the fully vaccinated with one or more doses and two or more doses, those numbers for the last two months are basically double what they've been for the entire duration of the pandemic with a less uh, mortality variant in play apparently. These are rates, not numbers. So how, how is it that twice as many people that are diagnosed are dying then throughout the entire pandemic is what I can't quite comprehend, but. Okay. Do you, does that conclude your prepared statements? Not quite, statements? No. I okay. just want to um, point this out as well. So these are basically the same things I looked at, what they had claimed the percentage or that the factor of hospitalization and, and deaths were compared to what the actual numbers that they published in the same report actually were. And um, you can see from the, the bottom three here, basically hospitalization rates were lower in the unvaccinated, and the death rates in particular were much lower in the unvaccinated population than those receiving fully vaccinated plus one or plus two booster doses. Now, further to uh, this, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the vaccination coverage that's been reported, and this is the most up-to-date. This is from Canada.ca, 
And I just want to look at the one here saying total population that has received at least one dose is stated at 80.7%. And then if we go to the, this, the same place you go to to access this, if you click on a different button, you can get the health info base number. And this one says at least one dose, 83.4%. And that is a 3% of the population difference. I mean, it's it's the same people doing the data, I believe. Somehow they report two different numbers. Just a little, it boggles my mind a little bit to, uh, to quote John Campbell on that. But uh, I do find that astonishing that the same people report different numbers from the same web page. And I just want to quickly point out from the, the previous speaker, and I thank her for her uh, diligent work. I think it's noteworthy when we look at respiratory illnesses that result in all these problems and, and lockdowns and mandates and so forth that if we look historically, uh, and this is hard to find, I looked it up just uh, a couple months ago and I thought last night, because I'm a fast talker, I might be able to slip this in too, but uh, I looked at data for the influenza virus and in the USA in 2019, 2020, there were 36 million cases confirmed. And in 2020, 2021 flu season, there's no data. They said it was too too little to find, and I did find one reference, and the number was 1,675. This represents a 99.995% reduction in influenza cases confirmed in the United States. Infer what you will. In Canada, those numbers went from 55,379 to 69 the following year. <laughs> and I know that... Uh, Say what you like. It seems something may have gotten renamed, but at the end of the day, there were more COVID cases reported than flu cases previously. So how did that happen? I'd like to point out one thing. With my bit of a mathematical mind, I looked into the um, cycle thresholds that were being run on PCR tests in Newfoundland and Labrador, where I'm from. They were running at 45. Now, I know Dr. Kerry Mullis, who developed the PCR test, stated that anything above about 26 cycle thresholds was meaningless because there was too many false positives. To put it into perspective, I did a little math, and if you have a loony in your hand, your loony is worth $1. And if you ran that at 45 cycle thresholds, which is to multiply it by 245 times, it's an effort of, ma of magnification, it comes out to over $31 trillion. To put that into a more visual uh, perspective, that one loony weighs seven grams. And if you took seven grams and multiplied that by 245 times, you'd have the mass of enough Titanics to lay end to end for 1,200 kilometers. So if you want to find, you want to bump up some numbers, run 45 cycle thresholds, no problem, done. Thank you. There's one more comment I'd like to make in Newfoundland and Labrador. They, they've been doing pie charts. Uh, they've stopped. I'll, I'll, everyone I've talked to point out their discrepancies have ceased to report vaccination status data. So, uh, But in Newfoundland and Labrador, all told, I think we've had three or 400 deaths. I haven't looked at it recently. They haven't reported it recently, so I don't know. But I know that between May 11th and June 8th of 2022, there were 11 deaths reported and they used to do daily updates and say how many cases were from which area, which age groups, and so forth. They noted in that release on June 8th of 2022 
that of the 11 deaths, very sadly and tragically, one had occurred, our first death in the under 20 age group, and at the same time, another one was reported in the 30 to 39 age group. And to, to, to this date, they are still the only two under the age of 40. All 11 deaths that week were fully vaccinated. So not a single unvaccinated person under the age of 40 has died in Newfoundland and Labrador from, attributed to COVID during the entire pandemic. Thank you very much for your presentation, Dr. Bate. I'll defer to the commissioners for questions. Well, thank you for your presentation. I mean, I've seen some analysis of uh, uh, of the government website in terms of the number that we're coming up with with respect to the uh, likelihood of getting hospitalized or die. And uh, uh, I'd like you to comment on what kind of uh, data representation you could actually uh, come up with in order to generate these kinds of conclusion, given that the number you've calculated are completely uh, different. Well, I'm, it's speculation. Uh, I don't want to say they're lying necessarily, but it seems to be a form of coercion that um, if you don't get the vaccine, you're probably going to die. And we've seen it through the media throughout, uh, especially in the States. You know, if you don't get it, it's going to be a painful, terrible winter and all of this sort of thing. So um, I also know personally that in Newfoundland and Labrador, they've reported for almost a year now that 100% of the over 70 population is fully vaccinated. Um, personally, I know about 20 people in two um, small towns totaling about 14,000 people, Glovertown and, and uh, Gander. I have a list of 21 people over the age of 70 that are unvaccinated. And for this to be true, for the 100% to be not 99.9, .9, there could only be 31 in the whole province. 